0: If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcast. In particular, I want to highlight The Amazing World of Radio at amazing.greatdetectives.net. If you enjoy old-time radio programs beyond detective programs, I think you'll enjoy The Amazing World of Radio. We've done more than 200 episodes in a variety of different mini-series as well as holiday specials their performances by actors such as Kirk Douglas, Angela Lansbury, Ed Asner, and much more. Check it out at the amazing world of amazing.greatdetectives.net, and you can also find all of our other podcasts at the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio homepage. Well now, it's time for this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. And we will be presenting episodes one and two today and episodes three through five on Friday. If you're minded to wait until all five episodes are posted, you can hit pause here and then come back and listen to the rest of the episode on Friday. And now from September 10th and 11th of 1956, it's The Confidential Matter, episodes one and two.
1: From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar.
2: Mort Parkinson, Johnny, Eternity Mutual. Oh, how are you, Mort? I couldn't feel much worse.
3: It's the olives that do it, not the martinis.
2: I wish it were that simple. Can you come over to my office right away, Johnny?
3: Well, I guess so, if... I uh... don't
2: often pull that confidential business, but I really would hesitate to go into this one on the phone. Pretty rough, huh? I'm afraid you're going to find it even worse than that. It's, uh, it's about Ed Morgan, Johnny. Ed Morgan? I'm sorry. I know he was a good friend of yours.
3: He's one of the best I ever had. Ed was a great guy. It's too bad he had to die that way.
2: Johnny, it's too bad he didn't die a year sooner. What? You'd better come on over to the office.
1: Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly... Johnny Dollar.
3: (laughs) From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the home office, Eternity Mutual Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the confidential matter. Item 1, $2.85, taxi from my apartment to the Eternity building in the 7th floor office of Mort Parkinson, vice president and general manager. It was a room I well remembered, with its blank walnut paneling and deep leather chairs. I'd worked on a lot of cases with Mort, and with the late Ed Morgan, too. And it sounded now as though Ed, my good friend from a long time back, was about to become a case himself.
2: Come in, Johnny. Pull up a chair.
3: Thanks, Mort. Well, that was quite a phone call.
2: It's quite a situation.
3: Yeah, I gathered that.
2: Oh, I just can't talk sitting down. Old habit, I guess. Remember when we used to be over in the old Johnstone building... before we built this new one? We had those old-fashioned stand-up desks. It was when old man Clement was still alive. And
3: before I was.
2: Hmm? Oh, yes. I guess I keep forgetting about you newcomers.
3: Meaning everybody who's come into the game within the last 40 years.
2: I suppose I am one of the original settlers... And setting my ways, too.
3: Yeah, well, what about you? I the... sure hated
2: to see those desks go. You could stand in front of them, lean an elbow on them, make out a report or a speech. Mort, try
3: to... you're trying too hard to avoid it. Avoid what? You didn't call me over here just to reminisce about the old days.
2: In a way, maybe I did.
3: You know, it's funny. I always thought you liked Ed Morgan. But I did. Then why did you say it's too bad he didn't die a year sooner?
2: Because I liked him. Except, like is too weak a word, actually. I thought as much of Ed as I would have of my own son if I'd had one. Why, well, I'm the one who hired him in the first place. Remember, Johnny? Yeah, I remember. And I took a personal interest in his career. Watched him work his way up. Till finally he was appointed chief adjuster for the West Coast. Head of our San Francisco claims office. And that was darn good for a man as young as he was. And I was proud of him, Johnny.
3: Yeah, I know. I know you were.
2: He was a hard worker. Honest. Dependable. And he had a good, sound future ahead of him. And then, just like that.
3: Accidents are usually
2: just like that. A foggy night, sharp curve, and he drove his car off a cliff into the Pacific Ocean. And that was that. Tragedy. Feeney, the end.
3: Only it apparently wasn't the end, or you wouldn't have called me over here.
2: No, it wasn't, Johnny. I wish it had been. Meaning? You'd better brace yourself. Within two weeks after Ed Morgan's death, we started getting complaints from some of our clients. What
3: do you mean, complaints?
2: Oh, demands for adjustment on claims Ed had reported paid weeks before, requests for past due settlements, and so on. Mort, I don't get it. Neither did I. So I sent a company accountant out to San Francisco on the QT and put him to work on the claims files. And we found out, Johnny. You found out what? That Ed's accounts had been doctored for some time. What? Johnny. In the months before he was killed, he'd embezzled nearly $80,000. Ed Morgan?
3: Ed Morgan. I don't believe it.
2: He did it. You might as well accept the fact.
3: Anybody else, yes, anybody else. But not Ed. For one thing, money didn't
2: mean that much to him. I know. We were always joshing him about living like an old hermit instead of a young bachelor.
3: Well, then why would he do it, steal $80,000 after all these years of being honest? What would he want that would cost that much money?
2: That's exactly what I wish you'd
3: find out. Now, wait a second, Mort, wait a second. This is one I don't want any part of. Neither do I,
2: but I'm afraid I'm stuck with it. And you are too, in a way. Why? Because Ed was your friend. Here's a flight ticket and reservation to San Francisco. Plane leaves in two hours.
3: No, 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 I'd rather pass it, Mort.
2: Well, so would I, but we can't. Neither of us. There are too many questions left. And they've got to be answered. Not by me. $80,000 of the company's money is missing. I can't just write it off and forget it. It has to be accounted for. There
3: are other investigators, Mort.
2: And another thing that's just as important, to me at least, is to find out why he did it. It's a failure in human dynamics. A man like Ed, a man everybody respected and trusted, and he goes wrong. Why?
3: Get somebody else to find
2: out. I'd be pretty grateful if you'd do it, Johnny.
3: Mort, I just don't want any part of it. I
2: know how you feel. It's quite a shock to find out he was a crook. It's like somebody pulling the rug out from under you. So now you want to forget all about him. Leave him safely dead and buried.
3: Dead, Mort, but not buried. If you remember, they recovered the car, but not his body. It's still somewhere beneath the Pacific. All right, then.
2: Look at it from an efficiency standpoint, if nothing else. To any other investigator, Ed Morgan would be just a name. An unknown quantity. But you knew him.
3: I thought I did.
2: Regardless of what he did, Johnny, I just hate to think of a stranger pawing into his past. Maybe I still think back to the old times in the old country when the family buried their own dead. I know, I know. And sometimes, Johnny, a friend has to go all the way. Even when the other person is uh, uh, goofed, isn't that what the younger generation calls it? I'm
3: not the younger generation. Mort, right now I'm older than Confucius.
2: I'd sure appreciate it, Johnny. And after all, somebody's got to do it.
3: <sighs> yeah, somebody's got to do it. And like you said, it was my friend. All right, Mort, let's have the ticket. Item two, $14.35. Tips, taxi, and incidentals in Hartford and same in San Francisco. Plain trip between points paid from expense account of company manager and not included herewith. I went straight from the airport to Ed's last address when he was still alive, an apartment house in the Knob Hill section called the Drakeley Arms. And there's where I got my first surprise. Ed had always been the two-room bachelor walk-up type. But the Drakeley Arms consisted of equal parts of glitter, glass, swank, and price, including a uniformed doorman, a small private bar off the lobby, and an assistant manager with a gardenia on his lapel. Oh, he was a rare one,
4: that manager. And it was a real gardenia. I am, of course, most desirous of assisting you in every way possible, Mr., uh, uh, What did you say your name was? Dollar. D-O-L-L. I can spell Dollar. I'll bet you can. I beg your pardon? Oh, it's
3: quite all right. I didn't mean... You didn't mean to be offensive, I understand.
4: Now, about the former occupant of Suite 14... Mr. Dollar, I'm terribly afraid. Oh, please don't be. I mean, there is simply very little I can tell you about the late Mr. Morgan. A matter of discretion? Is that it? Discretion? A policy of the house... Something of that sort? Well, we do, of course, try to protect the privacy of our residents. I'm sure you understand. Even to the extent of turning down $20? Uh, well... A crisp one, isn't it? Uh, under the circumstances... A nice of course... likeness of Andrew Jackson, isn't it? Uh, thank you, sir. Gratuities of this nature are always so helpful in smoothing the rough pathway of human relations. Don't you think so, Mr. Dollar? Definitely. Definitely. It's already helping you remember my name. Uh, Well, money is a mental stimulant, isn't it? Don't call it money. Just think of it as item three. I beg your pardon. Item... That's quite all right. I meant... Yeah,
3: I know. It's uh, kind of a habit I seem to be picking up. Now, has your memory been stimulated any
4: in regard to Ed Morgan? Oh, yes, the late Mr. Morgan. Pardon me, Mr. Dollar. Yes? Oh, yes, Countess Moggy... Yes, I'll be delighted to send the boy up for two quarts of suds. Suds? Uh, Would a nice dry Bavarian ale be... Yes, Countess, just plain beer. Yes, Countess, right away. (sighs) Frightful old lady. Mixes it with creme de mousse, you know. (laughs) Now, where were we, Mr. Dollar? We weren't, not yet. Oh, yes, the late Mr. Morgan. Well, Well, he'd been our guest, you understand, for about six months at the time of his... uh, Tragic accident. What was he paying for his suite of rooms? Oh, well, ordinarily, we don't release information Forget about... Forget it. This is not ordinary. How much? Uh, $1,200 a month. I see. Oh, he was a true gentleman, if I may say so. A bon vivant. And on the crassly materialistic side, if you'll forgive me, sir, a very free spender. Sorry. Twenty's the limit. Mr. Dollar, I was not trying to coerce your generosity by, well... Putting on another bite? Precisely. All right. So Ed was bedded down in a mink-lined stall
3: and was throwing money around like water. What else? Who came to see him? What sort of visitors did he have? None at
4: all that I can recall. None at all? He leased that overpriced cubicle and then just sat in it? Well... What about friends here in the building? Most of our guests might be termed individually exclusive. (laughs) Even eccentric in some cases. Except, of course, Mrs. Barrett. Mrs. Barrett? Yes. One of the loveliest guests we've ever had the pleasure of... Excuse me, Mr. Dollar. Yes? Yes, Countess Margie, the boy is on his way. I know, but he has to go clear down to the corn. Yet, yeah. Well, please tell little Pim Pam that I'm so sorry. A dog drinks that stuff, too. Now, where were we? About this Mrs. Barrett you mentioned. Oh, yes. Well, of course, she and Mr. Morgan were inseparable, you understand. They were together constantly. And Mr. Barrett? Oh, there wasn't any. Well, not recently, I mean. Uh, deceased. You know, dead. Yeah, when? Early this year, as I recall. I didn't know him, of course. Mrs. Barrett moved in here shortly after his death. Not until then. And Ed Morgan, when did he move in? About uh, six weeks later. Oh, he met her here then? Oh, no. No, they were already acquainted. (laughs) Well acquainted. (laughs) I see. In fact, I believe that Mr. Morgan and the young and very lovely widow met at the time of her husband's death, a matter of uh, settling the estate or something of that sort. It would figure all right. Uh, I but don't you remember said... exactly why I thought so, but I do recall having an impression at the time that he moved in here only because of her. And as I say, they were together constantly right from the first. That's all very interesting. I wonder if I could have a talk with this, Mrs. Berry. Hmm. That would be utterly impossible, I'm afraid. Now look, if you think you can. I pry... simply mean she isn't here. Isn't here. She's been gone for ten days now. Where'd she go? I really haven't the slightest idea, Mr. Dollar. Well, if she moved out, she must have left a forwarding address of some kind. Well, she didn't move out. She still has her apartment here. She'll be back eventually, I imagine. But at the moment, I she's... I haven't heard a word from her since she left. Oh, poor dear. You know, one can understand why she'd want to get away for a while. Such a tragic coincidence, having two deaths of exactly the same... Oh, confound that woman. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean by tragic coincidence? Hmm? Oh, well, as I understand it, Mrs. Barrett's husband also died in some sort of accident. Yes, Countess
3: Johnny Dollar.
5: A Mr. Dollar, the girl from the claims office called and uh, gave me this number. Oh yes,
3: Mr. Woodson. It seems we're working on the same case for the same company. Well, I've been working on Mr. Ed Morgan's files and
5: records here for the past week now. I've turned up some. How moderate... much is
3: missing? Well, about
5: eighty thousand dollars so far. All of it was taken during the four months immediately preceding his death. I'll, I'll say one thing: in twenty years as an accountant, I've never seen a looting more cleverly carried out.
3: Oh, Ed was a very bright lad, a man who'd go far. They all said. Did
5: uh, you know him, Mr. Dollar?
3: I thought I did. He was one of my best friends. But it turns out I'm only beginning to know him. Could you meet me in his office around 10 o'clock, Mr. Woodson?
5: Yes, yes, that's where I am now. I've been working on these books day and
3: night. Better be careful. That's what got Ed into trouble.
5: Uh, How's that?
1: Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account... America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: (laughs) From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Home Office, Eternity Mutual Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, The Confidential Matter. Location, San Francisco. Expense account continued. Item four, one dollar, one martini. Item five, one dollar, one tip to the bartender who stirred the martini. All in the house that Jack built. I don't know who built it, actually, but it took Jack to live in it. Twelve hundred bucks a month, to be exact. That was the take-home bite for an apartment at the Drakeley Arms on Knob Hill. And, of course, that didn't include drinks in the intimate little private bar just off the lobby. And this is where Ed Morgan had lived during the last five months of his life until he missed a curve one night and drove his car off a cliff into the Pacific. Ed Morgan, whose idea of a big night had always been his pipe, slippers, and a mystery novel. But things were different when I'd known him and been his friend. For one thing, he hadn't stolen $80,000. Or I don't think he had. Do you find the martini adequate to your expectations, sir? Oh, yeah. Yeah, indeed. It's a heck of a belt for a buck. Thank you, sir. Quite a nice little place you got here. Oh, I find it a most agreeable sanctuary from the stress and strife and the hurly-burly of the city. Been here long? I have tended by here in the Drakeley Arms Rendezvous for some two years now. Oh, then you may have known a friend of mine who had an apartment here uh, up until a month ago. A Mr. Edward Morgan? Oh, yes. Mr. Morgan was a regular customer here. An eager supplicant for my humble and healing wares. A beer drinker, mostly, as I recall. Uh, the rendezvous does not serve beers, sir. Oh, forgive me. I didn't know. Quite all right, sir. Yes, I was here before Mr. Morgan moved in. And here I am still, now that he is no longer with us. Such is the chance and mystery of life. <sighs> One just never knows. Precisely. Oh, could I say... Not una- yet, thanks. Get to know Ed pretty well, did you? Mm, the policy of the Drakely Arms, sir, is to maintain
5: a certain degree of formality in relations between guests and personnel.
3: <laughs> sort of like a zoo, you might say, with bars to separate the people from the animals. <laughs> the comparison is quite apt. Somehow, I can't see Ed Morgan sanking in in a marble squirrel cage like this John. Mm, I confess, I, he hardly seemed the type to me, sir. He was much too unrestrained for the drakely. He came in here a lot, did he? Almost nightly. For a few minutes at least, on his way to some gala night spot. Gala night spot, Ed Morgan? Oh, yes. In all the years I knew Ed, I was only able to drag him into a gala night spot once. He stayed 20 minutes, then left because his tie was choking. Him. Are you quite certain that your friend was the same, Ed Morgan? I wish I weren't. Who were his friends? Did he always come in along? Oh, no. No, never alone, sir. He and Nicky were inseparable. Nicky? Oh, I should say, of course, Mrs. Barrett. Oh, a young widow, as I remember. Lives here in the building. And a huh? lovely girl.
5: Fascinating.
3: And also unrestrained? Definitely. And Ed then was one of her friends. Oh, they were together every night, sir.
1: An hour here in our little establishment, a few champagne cocktails, then out to dinner, dancing, the opera, ballet.
3: Ed Morgan?
1: Oh, quite. Life was just a mad world
3: for those two. I gather your friend was something of a wealthy playboy. He was a claims adjuster for an insurance company. Hmm, then... Uh, how could he possibly live in the fashion he did? If I told you, you'd flip. I beg your pardon? Tell me something. Was Ed in here on the night he was killed? Oh, yes, yes. He left here about uh, nine, as I recall. And a few hours later, he was dead. How did this Nicky take it? Pretty broken up, was she? Uh, she is a woman of very strong uh, character. Ah, oh, in other words, she didn't ban an eye. Uh, well, I would Look, wouldn't... that night Ed was killed. Did he leave here alone? No, sir. He was alone when he went off the cliff. Not when he left here, though. Nicky was with him. Item six, $2.40, Taxi to the Telegraph Hill apartment of Lisa Duval. Lisa had been Ed Morgan's secretary for about four years. But it seemed Miss Mousy business at the office was Miss North Beach Bohemia at home. Italian slacks and halter. Cushions on the floor. And naturally, a view of the Bay Bridge from a corner window... We sat on the floor, naturally, and drank Chianti from a half-gallon jug while a record player moaned agonizingly under the gouging of his needle. Bartok, I gathered, was now last year's kick. This was progressive jazz.
6: Maybe that seems a little affected to you, Mr. Dollar. The way I dress and live in private life, as you might say.
3: Why so? Everybody's got a right to salt his own dish of porridge the way he likes it.
6: Well, I've done this deliberately, I guess, as a sort of antidote for the insurance business.
3: Has it been that bad?
6: (laughs) Not bad. Boring. Oh, not your end of it, of course. Investigation work must be exciting. Yeah,
3: scream a minute, day and night.
6: Just keeping records, filing papers week after week. I used to stare out of the office window at the ships in the harbor and think about stowing away on one. But, of course, I didn't have the nerve...
3: Hmm, too bad. The cruise would have been delirious.
6: I thought of quitting several times. I guess I stayed because of Ed, Mr. Morgan. Oh? He was always so wonderful to work for, so lenient and understanding, up until the last few months at least.
3: What about those last few months, Lisa?
6: What came over him? I don't know. He was different, that's all. As though he were tense and nervous, under pressure.
3: Any idea where the pressures came from?
6: He didn't confide in me, Mr. Dollar. What, uh,
3: what were your personal relations between the two of you during the years you worked
6: for him? What do you mean?
3: Well, I mean, were you friendly, formal, strictly business?
6: Friendly, I think, would cover it best.
3: Did you see each other outside of office hours?
6: Occasionally.
3: I notice one of his pipes there in the bookcase. He
6: come here sometimes in the evening, and we'd listen to music and talk. Up until the...
3: Until the last few months?
6: It wasn't that we stopped being friends, Mr. Dollar. He was... he was just different, that's all.
3: Tense, under
6: pressure. That's about the only way I can describe it. But you don't know why he was that way. Well, looking back, I suppose it was because of the money. If he really did take it. I just... I just can't believe it. Ed wasn't that kind of a man. He was gentle and honest, at least until...
3: Until the last few months? Yes. Or were you going to say, until she came along?
6: How did you... Lisa. Yes?
3: How long have you been in love with Ed?
6: Ever since I started to work for him. But he never knew it. He couldn't even see me. I'm sorry, Lisa. I'm sorry for you, too, Mr. Dollar. I know how close you and Ed were, and I know how you must feel being called in and having... Forget it.
3: It's a job, that's all.
6: Sure, just a job. So is major surgery.
3: This woman he was going around with, Nikki Barrett, did you ever meet her?
6: I met her. Or what did you think? What's the difference? I was prejudiced. I'll allow for that. In the old days, they used to believe in witches, vampires. Some of them were very beautiful, and they lure a man on and on... And then destroy him.
3: And you think she did something like that to Ed?
6: Oh, you weren't out this way during the time he knew her. You weren't around him to see how he'd changed. No, no.
3: Oddly enough, the one time I was through here about three months ago, Ed was unexpectedly called away on business.
6: He wasn't called away. He was avoiding you. He knew he was getting in too deep. How'd he meet her? She came to the office with a life insurance claim. $50,000. Her husband had just died. I knew her type from the minute she walked in. A grieving widow, all in black, and looking like a powers model. And he just melted down and laid his head under her foot. That was the start of it.
3: Why'd she come to him? Unless she had a disputed claim? It was a
6: double indemnity clause. Her husband had been killed in an accident.
3: Her husband, too, huh? What do you mean? Ed Morgan died in an accident. Remember? Remember? Item seven, a dollar and fifteen cents taxi from Lisa's apartment to the Deckman building on Montgomery Street. It was after ten, and the financial district was nearly deserted. The canyons between the tall buildings were hollow and empty. A cold wind was blowing off the bay. Or maybe it was blowing out of the past, an old, old past, dead and far away. The pattern was beginning to look familiar, too familiar. Lord, the woman gave me the forbidden apple to eat. Ed, too, it seemed. The same old wine, the same old Dodge. And yet there was something not quite right about that pattern.
5: McCartan runs into some funny ones, Mr. Dollar. This Morgan case here is one of them.
3: How do you mean, Mr. Woodson?
5: Well, the way he was going about it, for one thing. Running hog wild, as you might say. Of course, as I said on the phone, his general scheme was pretty clever. He certainly knew standard procedures.
3: Well, he'd been with the company a long time.
5: Well, now, these uh, payoff checks on claims. Of course, they were sent out from Hartford and carry of this office. So what Morgan did was open a disbursement account in the bank here, then sign and deposit the checks and draw out the money in cash chargeable to direct disbursement funds under his own name. Mr. Woodson... Now, of course, the canceled checks would return to Hartford, but since they were countersigned to disbursement, they wouldn't even be processed. Instead, they'd be returned to Morgan. So, you see, there'd be no evidence Look, in Hartford... Mr. To...
3: Woodson, I'll accept the fact that Ed was clever... What did you mean there was something funny in the way he was going about it? Well, he must have known it
5: couldn't last. It was a good scheme for a short time, but it carried the seeds of its own destruction. In what way? Complaints. Some of these claims are four months old, and legitimate claims. Morgan couldn't stall these people off forever. I see. Only other embezzlement case I've worked on that was similar was a man who worked a quick swindle for a blackmail payoff. He knew he'd probably get caught, but he just had to take the chance.
3: Yeah, you may have stumbled onto something, Mr. Woodson.
5: Oh, is that so? You mean it ties in with that file folder you've been studying
3: there? Oh, I don't know. It's an investigation report on an accidental death. Happened about a year ago. Ed Morgan handled the insurance claim and got to know the widow. He'd been running around with her for
5: several months just before his death. I don't quite see the... Oh, oh, of course. Mr. Morgan also died in an accident. Unless he was murdered. (laughs)
1: Now, here is our star to tell you about tomorrow's episode of this week's story. Tomorrow,
3: $80,000 and a beautiful girl, both missing. Then one of the two is found and a bombshell explodes. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood written by Les Crutchfield. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Hugh Brundage speaking.
0: Welcome back. in appropriately emotional first two episodes. I think Ed's turn to not only being a crook, but to being a person entirely different than Johnny understood him to be was a real shock. And I think the story gives time for that to be processed. And we're still seeing the wheels turn when Johnny investigates and drops a real bombshell at the end of episode two with the suggestion that Ed was murdered. The scenes with Mort and Lisa are both well done. Lisa's great as the secretary with this very different home life and persona. It wasn't something typically portrayed back in 1956, but I think many people, especially today, can relate to the idea. And then Mort is just wonderfully old school, and like Johnny has this sense of the personal tragedy, and I think the sense of honor and the idea that they have a duty to him, whatever failure he's made, uh, to go ahead and at least set the record straight, even if revealing this about him. It's a powerful idea that really is at the heart of the episode and why Johnny needs to pursue it. Uh, And also the idea that you have to find some way to make sense of it for yourself and for your uh, own sanity. Uh, On a non-plot related note, it was interesting to hear Mort sing the praises of Standing Desk, which have made somewhat of a comeback in the 21st century given the problems that have been associated with people sitting all day. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we start with an email from Mark regarding the Cranesburg matter. Talking about Johnny uh, Dollar first three parts, you mentioned AFRS a few times without explanation. Here are definitions uh, from Google. Please explain. Thanks. Uh, Well, none of the explanations that Mark shared were what AFRS means in this context. AFRS stands for Armed Forces Radio Service, and I know that I've said that before, but when you record 4,000 episodes, you can't expect people to commit that to memory. And AFRS uh, is jargon, it's an abbreviation, I need to avoid that, so uh, thanks for uh, mentioning that, and I'm glad to clarify, and I'll try not to, without explanation, as I've mentioned it reasonably recently, like I think I could say AFRS all week long and everybody would know what it means. But unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to even have an occasion to say AFRS the rest of the week. So, bummer. But uh, uh, thanks for the email, Mark. Well, now we turn to YouTube with a couple of comments from Ryan First of all, he uh, addressed the horror movie uh, question that the Crystal Lake matter raised in my mind. Crystal Lake in the horror movies is in New Jersey. So Johnny is some 2,000 miles away from meeting Jason. He should be safe, but ellipses. Uh, and then he adds uh, this. One of the Bills in town is named Bill Cullen. Bill Colin was a game show host and TV personality in the 50s and 60s. He was, as a matter of fact, the first host of The Price is right. Well, thanks so much, Ryan Sir. And it's something that we do forget that there was an original Price is Right. Of course, as many people in my generation did, I grew up watching Bob Barker. You know, fantastic, feeling sick, or the weather's bad and you can't go outside television viewing uh, during the late 80s and 90s. And so I watched his first episode, and he came out in 1972, and introduced it as The New Price is Right. Obviously, there had been an old one, and Bill Cullen had originated it. Now, this particular episode of Johnny Dollar aired several months before Bill Cullen started The Price is Right, and he was doing a radio show on WNYC and kind of in between game show gigs. But Jack Johnstone knew a lot of people in radio and would name characters after them. So he very well could have known Bill Colin. I don't have specific information, but that's what I'd assume. Although I guess it's always possible that it was a name he just kind of picked up without realizing that it was the name of a real person. Don't know how much Johnstone monitored that whole game show, talk show world in the 50s. Thanks so much for the comments. And finally, we've got this from Evelyn, who writes... Good evening from California. Thank you for all the time and effort in all uploading. Always great listening from a baby boomer. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you and all of our listeners out there, many of whom are boomers. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Guy. Guy has been one of our Patreon supporters since September 2022, currently supporting the podcast at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Guy. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software, and be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We'll be back on Friday with the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar serial, but join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... No answer. I'm about
3: to ring again when I notice the door is open, just a crack. The center hall is dark and the house is quiet, too quiet. At the foot of the curved staircase is a door, a thin sliver of light under it. Sitting at a desk in a tall, high-backed chair is a gent in a white suit. There's a surprised expression on his face, frozen there. He doesn't bat an eyelash. He can't. Steve, what is it? Looks like Mr. Karen beat us to it, Jeff. What? Holy smokes! It's Alvarado. Dead, all right. Strangled. Cord wrapped around his neck. And look at the room—a shamble. Somebody gave this place a fast frisk, including Alvarado. Look, his pockets have been turned inside.
0: I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to Box Thirteen at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.